Hey, how about you Minnesota Vikings fans? You are 0-2. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> again. Vikings. Again. You want to hear it again? Yes, all, right. all day. This is courtesy of Pancake. <laughs> there it is. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Hey, everybody, take a breath. Wow. <laughs> How about that? All huh? of the news Crazy busy. Crazy on, busy. On Thursday. It's like breaking news through a fire hose. There's one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. So this morning, um, i take a slight detour on some other national politics. And if a former GOP nominee for president, now Senator Mitt Romney, announcing earlier in the week that he was not going to seek re-election to the U.S. Senate. And making news this morning, Eric, years after... These apparent texts were made, now surfacing in a new book. Which is, which is a story in itself there. Yeah, so Mitt Romney. He might have been shouting it from the mountaintop at the time and like no one was listening to him. So Mitt Romney uh, made news this week because he announced he's not running for re-election. It's time for a new generation and that the, the Trumps and the Bidens of the world should step aside. Uh, but now in a new book... We're learning about a text that Romney sent to Mitch McConnell before the January 6th uh, situation, the, the riots, the invasion, whatever you want to call it there at the Capitol. Here is the text, according to a new book. Okay, this is then-Senator Romney to Senate Majority Leader Mitch, Mitch McConnell. McConnell. In case you have not heard this, I just got a call from Angus King, who is uh, involved with some of this stuff, who said that he had spoken with a senior official at the Pentagon who reports that they are seeing very disturbing social media traffic regarding the protests planned on the 6th. So everyone knew that at the time the President Trump was going to be there with a large group of supporters and they were going to be arguing about the whole January 6th thing and what Congress was going to be doing that day. He goes on to say, There are calls to burn down your home, Mitch. To smuggle guns into D.C. and to storm the Capitol, I hope that sufficient security plans are in place, but I'm concerned that the instigator, the president, this is his words, is the one who commands the reinforcements the D.C. and Capitol Police might require. So that's a text that he sent to Mitch McConnell, but Romney never (laughs) received a response. Per the book, the attack on the Capitol building occurred just four days later. Surprised that didn't come out in the January 6th hearings. Like, everybody's texts came out right, and all of that stuff over that year-long process. But I don't know, like, now didn't surface. In his defense, I mean, I think we all heard in the days afterward, Romney clearly was saying, hey, I mean, it's not like this is brand new shocker that, oh my gosh, I can't believe he was saying these things. We knew where Romney's head was at in the days leading up and the days after and that night, right? Who wrote the book? Uh, is it a, is it a book on Romney or is it a book on Jan sixth? A uh, book on Romney. All right, but it's not like Romney's Romney's memoirs or something like that. But no, then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell didn't respond to Ronich from Mitt Romney about the six, um, according to a new biography on the Utah Republican. Okay, uh, the other uh, senator involved was Angus King. Haven't heard from Romney since publicly on this, but we've got an eye out for it. Six fourteen on Wisconsin's Morning News. 
time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Eric Bilstad and Vince Vetrano. Brewers single game tickets for the playoffs open up next week, so this is assuming the crew is in the first round wildcard games. Could see as many as three games at American Family Field if that series goes the distance, so those games would be first week in October. So if you bought a ticket for any game earlier this season, you get special access to the playoff tickets on Thursday. General public can gobble up the rest starting at 10 a.m. next week, Friday, so one week from today. And at American Family Field, the pitch. Lined into left center field. That's going to get down for a base hit. Terang's around third. He's going to score. Tyrone trying to stretch it into two, and he's in there safely. Another RBI double for Tyrone Taylor, his second of the game, and the Brewers with a 4-2 to two lead. And that's where we left it. Have a day, Tyrone Taylor. His seventh inning double. All the scoring the crew would need, 4-2 to two winners over the Marlins. You see his slide? Was that him sliding in the home in one of those? I don't know if he Didn't scored. he scored once? Okay. Perhaps. I'm making I mean, stuff up. We got the Nationals tonight, 7-10 first pitch, and things starting to look real good for the crew. Sorry. Anyway. Glad to see all the sausages back out there Thursday afternoon. Yeah, You you never know after you have a tumble, E. That's right. Johnsonville famous sausage race at American Family Field. You're just never sure all the sausages are okay. How are they going to bounce back? Hot dog went down hard Wednesday night, and then Italian went down harder. Brewers (laughs) play-by-play man Jeff Levering breaking it down. Let's go back to it. Schroeder was right. He got right back up, I thought, though. Hot dog's laying there. Italian collides with hot dog, gets airborne, and lands on his face. Nose all dirty. As far as we know, every sausage was okay. <laughs> okay. Week two of the NFL is underway, and your Minnesota Vikings are 0 and 2. Oh, they fall to the Eagles 34 21. As far as the Packers go, they play the Falcons noon on Sunday. Now, running back Aaron Jones and receiver Christian Watson did not practice on Thursday. Although LaFleur, the head coach, Matt LaFleur, said uh, Jones did do a little bit of rehab work. Aaron Jones yesterday, but today it looked like he had a helmet. At least was going through um, some stuff inside. Is that a sign of progress? Yeah, I think so. Anytime he's out there and he's got a helmet on, I think that's a good sign. So there you go. Okay, good. That's settled. <laughs> let's yeah, celebrate let's, that. Let's he was out there. Noon game on Sunday again, Packers and Falcons. Coming up. We just want our fair share. What is that fair share the United Auto Workers Union members are seeking? That story live in a report from ABC Next. At 621 on Wisconsin's Morning News this Friday morning, about 13,000 members of United Auto Workers Union taking it to the big three. We just want our fair share, plain and simple. Their fair share demands of a 36% raise over four years and a shorter work week among them. Offers in the neighborhood of half that coming from Ford, GM, and Stellantis, formerly Fiat Chrysler, not enough to prevent workers from walking out. ABC News technology reporter Mike Dubusky is live with us this morning in the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. So, Mike, this strike affecting only right now three plants, four now, is that right? Uh, yes. So right now, uh, there, it, this is a targeted strike, right? Let's re- remember that this is certain facilities are going to be walking off the job. Others are going to be continuing under the now expired contract. But yes, we've got a General Motors plant in Wentzville, Missouri. We have a 
Ford plant in uh, Wayne, Michigan, and we have a Stellantis plant in Toledo, Ohio, as of right now. 12,700 union workers uh, affected by this. Grand total, this could affect the 150,000 United Auto Workers who belong to the UAW if this strike is allowed to go on. And that's part of the, the reasoning for doing this targeted strike. They, the union has a strike fund, right, a big bucket of money to pay for this thing. If they do certain facilities walking off the job for certain you know, a certain amount of time, and then they switch over to maybe three different facilities somewhere else in the country, that allows that strike fund to last for a little bit longer. Um, and it also allows them to kind of keep the big three on their toes because they might not know which facility is striking next. Okay, so they can walk off, but then eventually return to work? It, it seems that way, right? So I, I actually, in listening to Sean Fain last night, I, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but I think I was expecting like more plants. But then you read 12,700 people. It's like, oh, that's a good chunk yeah. of the, you know, the union here. So, you know, the fact that this is, you know, whatever percentage, uh, I can't do the fraction right now, but it's whatever percentage of the 150,000 auto workers here. And imagine, you know, it's relatively small. They could keep this going for a little while. Um, and of course, you know, this comes against the backdrop of their demands. They see that their wages and their their benefits are unfair when compared to the increases that the executives at their companies have seen and the, the profits and the revenues that the big three American automakers have raked in in recent years. So, yeah, it's a really fascinating moment uh, in, in American labor, right? It's just a really historic moment, obviously, for the auto industry, but it comes against the backdrop of, you know, the labor unions feeling really empowered. So, Mike, what about the rest of us? The the ripple effects to automobile dealers, parts suppliers, and then for all of us on the market as well. It's tough enough to get a new car. It's tough enough to get a sure. used car right now that has to be affecting, if this goes out any distance, uh, supply chain and then ultimately cost. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really easy walk, guys. I mean, you can imagine people not building cars or not building car parts. That means that those cars don't get on, you know, car carriers. That means they don't arrive at dealers. That means that those dealers have depleted inventory, and that drives up the cost of the cars that are already there. Guys, the average cost of a new car in the United States is somewhere between forty-eight and $50,000. You alluded to, if this goes on for any length of time, there's the real potential that those you know, prices could go up even further. And it's worth mentioning that Sean Fain, who's the president of the UAW, says that this isn't going to affect the broader economy. This isn't really going to impact the everyday American. This is really a strike that's designed to target the billionaire class, right? It's the billionaire economy in his terms. Um, he really wants to kind of tighten the screws against the executives at these companies. We're going to have to see if that plays out in reality if the strike goes on for any length of time. ABC News technology reporter Mike Dubusky with us live this morning from New York. Thanks so much, Mike. Of course, guys. Take care. And there's, they are so far apart. I mean, you're looking at the, you know, the sort of quote unquote last best offer coming from some of the automobile dealers or uh, sorry, automakers somewhere in the neighborhood of half of what's being asked for. Isn't this how the game is played, though? I mean, the both, both sides are always far apart to start, right? Yeah, but they've been at it for a while, yeah, right? I suppose. And now this has happened. So keep it a close eye on that at 626 on Wisconsin's Morning News. All right, an update on the MGM hacking fiasco. Because the house always wins. Ooh, <laughs> yes. All right, so remember this story from uh, yesterday that those hackers, this Russian hacking group uh, called Scattered Spider, 
is now demanding all kinds of money because they've been able to hack into MGM Grand and some of these casinos and cause all kinds of trouble. Never mind even all of that. Think of how much they're losing just in a day. Yeah, and it's or been... Or two days of business, right? It's been an issue. Check-in procedure is kind of messy, a lot of long lines. Gambling's really messy. It's not as fun when you have to wait. So basically, they ransomware them. Basically, it's an old school thing, but they had tried to do something else first. The Financial Times reports the hackers originally tried to manipulate the slot machine software. Unsuccessful, they then hacked the resort systems in exchange for money. Experts warn all big corporations are at risk for similar hacks unless employees are properly trained. The Financial Times there, in a trick reminiscent of a heist movie, the hackers tried to recruit mules to gamble and milk machines after manipulating the software in them. So basically, they wanted to hack into the slots and then send someone like you in I want to get in! Hey! And then send in all these guys and steal money that way. That didn't work. That would have been way more fun, except isn't that infinitely more difficult yeah, well, and risky? Maybe why they didn't go that route. <laughs> Instead, now, they're going the old route, the ransomware route, and according to some cybersecurity experts, it's likely going to work. There's a good chance that they're going to get paid because they need to get those operations back up and running as soon as possible. They're losing tremendous amounts of money. Tremendous amounts of money they're losing right now. Seven! Seven. Seven. Again. I can't believe my day. Now, the Financial Times doesn't say whether or not they went to Mexico to start manipulating the dice, like in Ocean's 13. (laughs) But so far, they likely are going to have to pay out big. Right this way, Mr. Papa Giorgio. Because a house always wins. Play long enough, you never change the stakes. The house takes you. Unless, when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big. And then you take the house. Start of Hispanic Heritage Month, one restaurant celebrating an extra special anniversary on top of it. WTMJ's Debbie Lazica. Nestled smack dab in the middle of Milwaukee Street between Wisconsin and Mason is an orange storefront. You can't miss it. It's Cubanitas. Run by Marta Bianchini, it's a lovely restaurant that serves traditional Cuban food. This week marks a milestone anniversary for Cubanitas. It's their 20th. Well, back in 1994, my husband basically dragged me into... That's Chef Mark Bianchini. With his Italian restaurant, Osteria del Mondo. And um, he's Italian, I'm Cuban-American. And it only made sense to just open up a Cuban restaurant. And, you know, I missed the home cooking. You know, every time I would go back home to New Jersey or Miami, I would be like, okay, I need my Cuban fix. And it just made sense for us to explore that concept. And we opened up in September 17th of 2003. I can tell you in 2003, the city of Milwaukee really didn't have anything like this. Real traditional home-cooked Cuban food. It was like lightning in a bottle. People just absolutely loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it from the get-go. And that's why we're still around 20 years later. It was so successful that in 2017, they opened another location in Oak Creek at Drexel Town Square. Both locations are doing gangbusters. It's different from Mexican food. Cuban food is not spicy. Um, you you know, before people didn't even know what a mojito and a Cuban sandwich are, now you see that in every single menu out there. So it's funny how something that, you know, we grew up seeing in our family from when we were little is now a staple in so many menus throughout the country. Yeah, I mean, 
people people love it. Hispanic Heritage Month wasn't so much a thing back then, but Marta says things have changed. A lot of the corporate companies are acknowledging it. So they're doing, you know, maybe catering in from different local restaurants. And that I know has definitely increased. I don't think 20 years ago we were even paying attention or had that on the radar. Now it really is on the radar of a lot of people, especially here in Milwaukee. And with all the staffing challenges most other places have, it's amazing they've been able to keep things going for so long. We're just very lucky that we've had such loyalty. We try to take care of our staff as best as possible and our customers take care of our staff. You know, when you see a regular, we kind of know what they want and we make them feel at home. And I think people really like going to restaurants that is efficient, they're not waiting long, and they see those familiar faces throughout the years. Thanks to Marta and Mark, her husband, and the whole Cubanitas family, not only does Milwaukee have a great restaurant, but it's got the stamp of approval of my Cuban abuelita too. So it's the big 20th anniversary. What are the celebrations coming up this weekend? 5.30 to 8.30, we'll have the Bohemia Experiencia. Um, more classic, if you want a little bit more jazzy, classy kind of vibe. Saturday night, we're going to have a DJ for those of us who want to party from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. Okay, I'm not being paid to plug this, honestly. It's truly a great restaurant. The food is great. The atmosphere can't be beat. Want to know what it's like to party like a Cuban? Head downtown to Milwaukee Street for a great snapshot of what the culture is all about. Debbie Lazaga, WTMJ News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Eric Bilstad and Vince Vetrano. Brewers magic number down to 12. Now four and a half games ahead of the Cubs in the race for the division. Down 2-1 of the fifth yesterday afternoon. Tyrone Taylor. Here it is. Swing and a fly ball. Hit to left center. Deep. Warning crack at the wall. It's off the wall. It'll be a double, and the Brewers have tied the game. RBI double from Taylor in the seventh as well would put the crew up 4-2, and that was that. Brewers and Nationals tonight at American Family Field. 7-10 is the first pitch. Yeah, the slide of the year right there, by the way, at home plate right, You later. put that up for me, breaking it down. How about that, huh? The throw was there. The ball was there before he <laughs> right. was, and he was safe at home. Reached out and grabbed it. Hey, how about you Minnesota Vikings fans? <laughs> You are 0 and 2. Again. Again. You want to hear it again? Yes, all, right. all day. This is courtesy of Pancake. <laughs> there it is. Thank you, sir. Right now, they're 0 and 2. They fall to the Eagles on Thursday night football, 34 21. As for the Packers, they play noon Sunday against the Falcons. As of now, no real word yet on Christian Watson or running back Aaron Jones. Both of, both of them dealing with a hamstring. Uh, Jones was kind of at practice yesterday, but not really. Neither of them were actually really practicing as of yet. I'm fine with that, right? Let's wait and see. Let me know on Saturday. Yeah, but okay. We'd like to have, have to. him, though. <laughs> would rather have Jones him. had himself a day last week, so it'd be nice to have him. 649 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Parents who got kids in sports, you know that particularly in the younger years, Things can go wrong pretty easy. They can go south in a hurry. Right. Right? But it's kids, right? It's more fun when it happens, when it, they're <laughs> it younger, is, right? right? It's not like, you know, a high-stakes varsity, you know, event in high school. Well, so Gabe Neitzel here from ESPN uh, Milwaukee. Gabe, you'll appreciate this. Oh, so boy. 
So my oldest runs uh, high school cross country, and that's like all business, right? But yeah. By my two little ones are in seventh and eighth grade. They run the middle school cross country, and the difference between the two is that when oh. you cheer for your youngest, your seventh grader, she'll like look at you and wave when she runs by. <laughs> Get the wave. <laughs> hey. Doesn't usually happen in the high school years, you know. They don't got actually... that for my kid. When he... Get the thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey. So the eighth graders running in, we were up in Port Washington yesterday, first meet of the year. Okay. And uh, the boys go, and it's seventh and eighth grade running in this particular meet, so it's a lot of kids. Okay. A hundred at least, I'm guessing. That sounds right, if I remember from middle school CC. Yeah. And we're up in Port Washington, and they're running, and me and my buddy who's got a a daughter who runs, so we were up there in the spot where you can kind of see multiple angles or whatever and i'm trying to figure out how best to describe this <laughs> on the radio but it's already good <laughs> there's the first group of kids maybe about 30 group and they're kind of separating a little bit in the in this pack yeah. of 30 and my the, kids, the kids who are actually like competitive yeah. yes, are going to yeah. be really good runners sure. kind of separating yep. themselves from yep. the rest of the pack. And there's like four or five that are really good and then there's the rest of the clump there my kids and the rest of the clump there and they go and if you're looking at how i'm trying to describe this there's like a spot where you're supposed to veer Perfectly right. Like right angle, you're supposed to run. This okay. group runs straight. <laughs> so they start running off. Off the course. Yeah, off course, running straight. Meanwhile, the rest of the group that knows what they're doing, they take their right turns. So now, if you can follow me, one group is running east, the other group is running due north. <laughs> Okay. If you will. Seems bad. Yeah. I'd say the due north group has a distinct advantage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the moment, <laughs> yes. Depending upon where you know the finish line that's is. Right. Yes. Shave off that angle. <laughs> so then the group that's running correctly, they then take a neck hard left. Now they're running north. Okay, Uh-oh. so now they're parallel. Yep. Then group that's running incorrectly starts running east. So now they're starting to run toward each other, if you will, where oh, eventually no. there's going to be a point in it. We are all seeing this happen. And I'm like sitting there. I wish I would have thought to grab my phone. We all know what's about to happen. We're going to have a collision of children. Oh. <laughs> Suddenly cross country became a contact sport. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what happens. Just <laughs> this pile. <laughs> Yelling people. Like, oh, yeah. Were parents in the mix at Isn't, this point? Like, yeah, no, there's this, some parents this, yell, trying to yell. Okay, so, so it, it's been a while. I, I did. I ran cross country because it was like the first actual school activity I could do yeah. in Horicon where I grew up. In fifth, sixth grade, Like that's when you could, you know, actually run you could do something yeah. for the sport you sure. could go yeah. out for yes. correct right. so so i did going. that because yeah i did that because you know i just love sports and if i remember correctly there are flags on the course this is true and again if uh, yes. 20 plus years at this point you're still on point there are flags you know the flags have certain colors on them correct telling you what direction you're supposed to go like oh here's a flag and this color means you turn right yes. or this color means you turn left and generally there oftentimes would be a man on a bike or yeah. a lady driving or somebody, a cart. Somebody on a golf cart. They're kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. you know, up again. If it's a right hand turn, they're kinda of on the left hand side yes. to make sure, hey, you don't right. run straight yeah. here. Run, you know, turn right so you don't run into my golf cart here. Wasn't <laughs> it marked? Didn't it have a white it line? It was marked. Gabe, you're right. Yes. Yeah. So no, all the flags were correct. The kids just the well, kid, again, they're, they're middle kids. schoolers. They're, they're bad there at following directions. For whatever reason, and I have to admit, I did not investigate. I could have, but I did not. There was a guy who had been running all the other races on a bike. He'd been leading all the other paths. Yeah. Bike didn't show up for this one. Actually, my kid noticed right away. He told me afterward. He's like, yeah, I wondered where the bike guy was when we started. Like, they just fired it off and ran. And, hmm, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so they clumped up. Eventually, kids are getting pushed the wrong way. They're getting, kind of turning them around. 
Um, they ended up just all running then together. Um, Who could, then, did anybody get disqualified for running off course? No, I actually wondered about that, but I, I think they just decided, look, this is, you this know, is a middle school, middle school race <laughs> exhibition. And I, the kids who won were the kids who should have won. Like, okay. Okay. They were by the, 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there was cut off half the course. <laughs> what a great race. <laughs> I did see a girl do that, though, and I don't think anyone stopped her. I saw her stop and, like, literally run and jog across the field waiting for the clump to get to the other side, and then she just got to join the club <laughs> Merged, merging traffic. And I was like, wait, is someone going to stop this? Like, Didn't that I happen in a marathon where like half of the marathon group like cut off part of the course? That has happened in Milwaukee where they ran too much at one point. One time, like 10 years ago in New York, one of the marathon runners got on the subway. Yes. <laughs> I, it up. I remember that story. Maybe five miles. Wait, so you're telling me. So I have a half marathon coming up here uh, on October 1st. I've never run a half marathon. I did it because it was part of the the fundraising efforts we did this that's past awesome. spring for the Mac Fund. Excellent. And I said if I raised, you know, thirteen thousand one hundred dollars, I'd run a half marathon. So that's coming uh, up. The, the, the lakefront marathon. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm hating every minute of training. Um, but I guess that was the point, right? Like I right, wasn't sure. going to enjoy this, so that was part of the incentive for people to donate. So you're telling me I have to like really be paying attention, otherwise I may end up running too much? Correct. <laughs> Just follow who's that's, in front of you. You're that's okay. Terrifying. <laughs> You're I don't want to have okay. to run any more than I have to, Vinny. <laughs> Anything's possible around After here. Thirteen miles. What's the difference if it's point one or point three? Like, going to be dead anyway. Correct. <laughs> People are going to have to six fifty. Peel me off the pavement. <laughs> On Wisconsin's morning news.